Hey, listeners, make sure you check out the review, Tulsa's newest drag bar and gay club. They're located at 8th and Sheridan. Super fun. They have gospel brunch every Sunday, drag shows on the weekends, an open talent night on Thursdays where you can sing, dance, burlesque. Just don't take your all your clothes off. And uh, DJs on the weekends as well. Make sure you check out their Facebook and you can find them at ReviewTulsa.com. Digital intercourse. Shit, this is like a magic goddamn <laughs> wizard pill. Yeah. That's my pappy clap. Come on. We're going to use a condom. Yeah. Digital intercourse. A nun comes in and slaps the shit out of you. Yeah. I had far less penis than I had when I went in. <laughs> Digital intercourse. Does she show a titty afterwards? Come on. Pop all chlamydia sitting on the rocking chair. <laughs> Digital intercourse. The world is an ending and women have vaginas. <laughs> but it was the day that I learned girls don't pee out of their butt. Welcome to another episode of Digital Intercourse. My name is Tom King. I'm here with the moderately seductive. Thank you. That is better. Lauren, Lauren Turner. Hi, everyone. Hey, Lauren. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. We don't have a guest today. It's just us. Not even Landry. Oh my God. Thank God. Which is a huge relief. What a blessing. You know what? Everybody shits on Landry. I'm going to say it. I love Landry. I love Landry. He's talented and runs a lot of the stuff for us. So <laughs> <laughs> shout right. out shout out to little baby Miller. We're not seeing him because we have to, but <laughs> <laughs> we kind of have to, but that's real. So what in the world are we doing today? Oh my God, it's time for Digital Intercourse Book Club! Oh! That's right We have been reading a book called The Ethical Slut. This yep. one was Tom's pick. It was Tom's pick. Next time we'll let you guys know like which one it is beforehand. Ooh, maybe we can, maybe we can run a social media poll. Let our yeah. listeners decide which book we should read. Yeah, I have some ideas, but I definitely love to hear. Maybe I'll give you guys some options. Okay, this was my second pick. Lauren vetoed my first pick, which was Dr. Seuss's The Foot Book. Uh, which I thought was kink related turned out maybe not so much but <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't something about a kitty cat <laughs> but <laughs> um, so yeah reading Ethical Slut Tom do you want to tell us like a quick some like summary it is a practical guide to polyamory open relationships and other adventures it says so right there on the cover oh yeah I remember now uh, it's by Dossie Easton and Janet W. Hardy uh, they have just written a book that basically about polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, and all sorts of uh, open relationships. It has been um, hinted to me, hinted, presented. What's the word I'm looking for? We have suggested. There we go. It's been suggested to me by many people in the poly community that when you get started, read this book. It's a good. One. Lots of people have. So here we are. Yeah, since you guys are just getting started, I bet for you this is kind of like very centering and like. Oh, this is very real. Like this is thing. These are things we need to bring into this. Yeah, absolutely. Especially so. This it looks like our podcast recording is going to be maybe a two part series on this book because yeah. we're diving into a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. So at least we're at now in the, like the maybe the first half or so of the book. Um. It, it's like your your freshman and sophomore classes in college. Like it's still pretty basic, yes. <laughs> but it's a little more advanced in high school. And then I think the second book, I can tell where it's leading, where I've gotten to so far. We're about to dive into some deep emotional shit. But for today, 
lot of just uh, stuff that a lot of stuff that I've already kind of been through, just to some extent, with with just you know a few months in polyamory, uh, and just you know open communication and working on yourself and don't blame your partner. Yeah, it's kind of like this half of the book is the emotional preparedness part of it, and just the education about what it is, how to prepare yourself for what it's going to be like, and they keep hinting at stuff where they're like. We're gonna tell you how to really be a slut in the second half, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait!" <laughs> I love it. They make um, as Tom and I were talking, and I this book is both philosophical and kind of high minded in places, and super super practical. And this is literally how you make this work. Like, don't make your partner sleep on the couch while you're fucking in your bed with your other partner. Like. Be considerate, yeah. you know, like stuff like that. Try to have two bedrooms, which you guys do. We do, yeah. yeah. And it's it turned out to be very helpful and useful. Was that decision made before being poly? Uh, so that decision was made during the discussion to be poly. Okay. Uh, so at that point, we had not dated or had sex with other people. Um, that's since changed, but at the time, we hadn't. Uh, we were talking about it and just kind of... Well, you know, we're, we'll be open, and if we meet the right person, fine. But at that time, we hadn't met the right person. It was a lot of, sometimes I like to sleep alone. I've always, I don't think, personally me, I don't think I've ever had a roommate. Or at mm-hmm. least if I did, not for very long. Like, even in college dorms. I was like, I don't I don't want to do that. Just right <laughs> out, oh, let's, let's keep separate bedrooms and, and be be cool. And she was like, all right. Yeah. She That's was like, perfect. cool, I don't need to sleep with Alabama football all over the room. So <laughs> <laughs> I like my things. Yeah, so it's I not have... compromise. Yeah, and now she's got like a, one of those things, like a canopy over her bed and like a little princess looking bed. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that every night. Even though I do it most nights. Especially in the winter where you don't want to have to heat both bedrooms. Oh. It's very practical. Like close the door. We don't have to heat one room. We can put all the blankets from both beds on one bed. Winter sucks, but we... Body heat. Yeah. yeah that helps too. My so... Um, yeah, let me just jump in from the beginning. One of my first things, they favorite things they say at first is that sluts are just philanthropists. Yeah, I want to, I want to rewind a little bit before we even get to that, because the word slut, uh, for people who have not read this book or not in, uh, kink yeah. and polyamory is pretty derogatory. Yeah. She's a slut. Uh, personally, I've always loved sluts and now... <laughs> I'm starting to understand that why on a more ethical level. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, it's not me being like having a dirty kink. Like this is a legit thing. Yeah, and it is kind of a dirty kink, but also yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very mature thing. So uh, they said, who is a slut? And they talk about the morals of it. Like if you ask a man about his morals, you hear about his honesty, integrity. And if you ask a woman about her morals, uh, it's more about whether or not she has sex with people. Yeah, or it's uh, very relational qualities. Yeah. And not like um, strengths or something. I can see that. I see it being true. And so that's when they get into, uh, you know, a slut intimacy is good and fun to share. And they're like a philanthropist who shares their wealth, but they have a wealth of love. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, just give it out. Yeah. The whole point is like, it makes me happy to give it away and I have plenty of it. it, So I'm going to give out as much of it as possible. Yeah. It's like, okay. I kind of started, and we'll get into this later, but I don't mind like jumping around, but I really like where they're talking about how asexual people still can be sluts yeah. in the way they're talking about it, and they specifically talk about friendship, and that really put it in a context I could understand. I was like, yeah, I have a lot of friends, and because I was single for such a long time, 
Like, I had a bunch of people who filled all the different needs in my life. Um, minus, well, yeah. Also sometimes, very occasionally sexually. But, like, I had different people I would go to to fill all that stuff. And there was nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's a good thing. And I was like, okay, in that context, I kind of get it. And I could get applying that then to, like, your romantic life. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> stuff. And even that and that was how it was described to me, like, back in college, I dated a, a girl who was kind of into kink and poly at the time, and that was exactly how she described polyamory to me, was you have multiple friends that you love, why not multiple lovers that you love? And I was like, fuck, that sounds good. That sounds real good. Yeah. <laughs> then I had other friends in college who were like, Tom, you can't just fuck your friends. I was like, well, who else am I going to fuck? Strangers? <laughs> right. Would you prefer that? I don't even know what they're about. Yeah. They could literally like steal my credit card in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, they could be Cardi B and drug you and rob you. <laughs> oh, I haven't even been able to get into that because I'm too afraid it'll make me sad. Yeah, it probably will. Uh, when then I was like, and so now that I'm a little around more polyamory people, it's like, oh, that's kind of what poly people do. Like, they just fuck their friends. It's just a group of friends and... They all thing. You, yeah. You fuck whoever you want within that group. And it's not necessarily everybody on everybody, but you got a selection. <laughs> right. <laughs> they do talk about... Um, I was just reading the chapter on flirting and cruising, but to always say thank you, even if you don't... Even if you're like you're too honestly too ugly for me to even consider it yeah to still see as a compliment and not be derogatory to that person and not talk down to them yeah you know be polite to people do you feel like on the whole your experience in that community has been that people are more more thoughtful about that and less like derogatory to each other yeah definitely uh, and and they do say in the book they say uh, you know no thank you I'm not looking for a partner right now no thank you uh, whatever <clears throat> but then I, like my experience is also you don't owe them an explanation a right. simple no thank you is is fine because I've been like we've been out at, at swinger parties and other places where somebody has invited us into the bed with them and we just said oh no thanks yeah and that's it the truth was I was not even remotely physically attracted <laughs> to those people. <laughs> But nothing benefits from telling them that. Just no. a simple no thanks, and and they were they were fine. Yeah, they went back to. I mean, they were fucking so like they were they weren't upset about anything. We're still great. Yeah. We're still great. That was just a little out of bonus, and that's fine. We're still having a great time. Um, let's so see. it goes into uh, myths and realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that uh, you know we're taught that long term monogamy is the only valid relationship, and that's. That's been a big thing for me, like now that I've kind of begun to get myself involved in, in polyamory, you don't see that anywhere, like in movies or TV or anything, any relationship that is discussed, it is monogamous or unethical. Or it's, right, it's polygamous and creepy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah. Or it's, yeah. Yeah, even though, what, Sister Wives is in their reality show with yeah. polygamists, mm-hmm. and they they don't, like, there's a lot of things about those people that seem mentally unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> the relationship is just a part of that. But, but yeah, a lot of that. And, and, and you just never see the idea that ethical non-monogamy could possibly exist. Right. And in those situations, like, those things that are put on TV, it's because it's sensational and, like, 
odd, not because it's a valid choice someone's making. Yeah. It's like, look at these fucking weirdos. Yeah. It's gross and weird. And look at that guy's hair. I hate his hair. <laughs> <laughs> he has to go through a bottle of aqua net a week. There's a show on, I think, the USA Network called Temptation Island. Have you seen this? Have you heard about uh, this? I... I feel like this was a reality show on Fox, like way back in the day. It might have been. I'm only recently hearing about this. Yeah. I'm not uh, up to date on reality shows. <laughs> have you heard about the pawn shop in Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of Survivor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just it's just a bunch of hot, like sexy people, yeah. like six pack abs, like conventionally hot people. They put them in the Bahamas or something, and you go there with your significant other, and you're like, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to be with around all these horny, hot people, and I'm not going to cheat. We're going to show how strong our relationship is. Deep, deep, deep. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, some people, I guess, make it out alive, and then there's a lot of drama because it's a reality show and crying, and how could you do this to me? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, dude, if they were Polly, like, you could just hang out. <laughs> like, it would just be a huge vacation. It'd be an even better show. It would, what, what, what? Like there's still gonna be drama. Yeah. Like people don't aren't drama free just because they're not monogamous. But like, there is a show on Showtime. Have you? I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm gonna try to look it up while we're talking. It's about poly about polyamorous people. But I remember watching it. And it's the only time I've seen. It's a reality show, and it really um, follows people through trying. I think it's two couples who then go into like a four-way kind of relationship with each other um it's called polyamory married and dating i still think it was a good depiction it was real but they were very much like hippy dippy like i don't know parts of this book are hippy dippy that annoy me too yeah i'm just like you guys are so fucking irritating honestly that was like really my only exposure to it before we started talking and the other thing I would see in that show is that the third, there was another couple or it was a triad. There was always one person left out and feeling like shit. Yeah. And they were constant, like half the show was them like over and fucking over, like working through it. And I was like, why, (laughs) why would you put yourself through this? And I feel like that's the editors of the show. Yes. Like putting that in there. Like it, that's is true. And that is a thing that you have to work through. But for for that to seem like a relentless, ongoing thing is either an issue with those people or an issue with the editors. Like, oh, this will sell. Let's let's put this on there every week. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, somebody is left out. <laughs> right. It's gonna happen. Like, yeah. you're gonna have more fun with this person occasionally, but you're gonna do a different activity. Yeah. Um. Something I liked in this chapter, I think it highlighted some of the good things about millennials. Just in the sense okay. they were talking about how. Um, younger people are more open to different identities, different ways of being, different like kinds of sexuality. Um, we're much more in tune with consent and gender fluidity and like the intersection of like race and sexuality and all of that kind of stuff. I was like, people are constantly shitting on us, but we have brought something good to the table. Yeah. Like, Plenty good. I feel like... And we're killing Buffalo Wild Wings, so give us that. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing something for you people. Um, Because I feel like it's hard for either of us to live comfortably who we are. The fact there's still challenges, it's still so much easier than it would have been even like 10 years ago. And that's one of the things they get into the judgments about uh, ethical non-monogamy, that they're being promiscuous. 
or indiscriminate or having too much sex. And the book says, we don't believe ethics have anything to do with moderation or abstinence. I was like, fuck, yes, thank you. <laughs> Treat like a... Measure one's ethics not by the number of people they have sex with, but by the way they treat others. Yes. It's real fucking simple. And the yeah. fact that that's not a social norm is astonishing to <laughs> me. Right. If you're a Christian who's had sex with one person, but you treat that person like absolute shit, what's like, you cancel it out. If that was, if yeah. that, if that was a good thing to begin with. You've, you've done something even worse on the right. other side of that, right? Like, that's not the, like, <laughs> it's just such a crazy thing. But I bought into it for a long time. I mean, I didn't have sex till I was, like, 24 or 25 because it was just so deeply, like, in me that once that, like, you'll never be the same. Which is true, but it's not a bad thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a great mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. Uh, some of the judgments of, of, of sluts is that they're amoral or sinful uh, or easy. And it's a real simple thing the book covers when they talk about being easy. They say, what is the virtue in being difficult? Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. Why? Why? There's. I think it's in this chapter where she says, um, if God doesn't like sex, then he does not like you. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, like. Why would this thing that created you, with that being a very central part of who literally every person is, and then tell you not to do it, why set you up for failure in that way? It feels like God's like, I'm about to fuck with these people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, Or, and I'm just throwing this out there as a hypothetical, maybe some of the people that wrote some of the religious texts were lying. <gasps> Yeah. Maybe maybe those things like God told me certain. Maybe God didn't tell them some of and those things. And maybe they thought women were property. Hmm. There's a lot. Oh my God. What? I don't know. I don't know. Um, part of the that part we're talking about God. This woman tells an anecdote about being a little kid and discovering her clitoris in the backseat of the car. And she remembers like laying under a blanket being warm and just like kind of overwhelmed with the sensation and thinking like, the clitoris is proof that God loves us. <laughs> I have literally, in the last year, I've been like, maybe I will go back to church. If this guy made a clitoris, then I'm down with what he's about. <laughs> like, I'm open to that. I think there's some of those uh, non-denominational churches where like, can somebody uh, you know, give a testimony? I'd like to thank God for my clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> and then the audience applauds. Amen. Yes. Won't he do it? Yes, I like that. I I knew someone once who believed that heaven was just a constant orgasm. Oh, that's way better than streets of gold. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was another reason I was like, oh, maybe I am into God. I do want to come for all of eternity. That sounds beautiful. But his his idea was that's the ultimate in pleasure and connection. And I was like, well, that makes sense to me. If I were to believe in something, I think that's the God I would want to believe in. Right? <laughs> Sounds like an ethical slut. It is. And they get into some of the myths, uh, talking about the monogamy myth. They say when a monogamous relationship doesn't work, we question not the relationship, but we question ourselves. And like if when a polyamory relationship doesn't work, people question the aspect of polyamory itself. Right. And in both ways, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah. I mean, however you choose to do it. Um, they say that uh, the, the myth is... 
if you are really in love with your partner, you will lose all interest in any other partners. Uh, and the book replies that a ring around the finger does not cause a nerve block to your genitals. <laughs> that is true. And for some people, that that you know, monogamy does work, but not not everybody. And yeah, it's, and I it's... I think some I like reading this. I accept that it's for some people. It's not where I'm at right now at all. Um, I can't say like never, but for me right now, it's like <sighs> no. Um, I think sometimes in these conversations, it gets very much people are poly. They're like. People are, no one's monogamous. No one's made monogamous. And it's like, okay, but if I was saying the opposite, you wouldn't really like it. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> can we still respect each other's, like, choices right now? Like, that works for you. Not for me. And I don't know if I was made that way. I don't know. I get, I get really annoyed by that. You don't hear it a lot, or at least I don't with the people I'm around. I don't hear it a lot of like shaming people that are not into kink, like the do what vanilla sex or the mm-hmm. or mon, total monogamy. Like, oh, that's boring. It's like, well, for us, yeah, but for them, I mean, I don't know. They're loving and coming, so let them love and come. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem becomes when it's like we're more enlightened because we're poly. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <okay. laughs> there is a lot of sm- there can be smug bullshit. Yeah, unfortunately, like, I found God. I found like a group of people that are not that, but yeah, you definitely can hear that. With some smug assholes that yes, find Bobby. Like, I just don't want to do it. Like, yeah. you want me to do it just because you think I should? Like, <laughs> no, thank you. That's the exact point we're making. Right. Like, don't do monogamy just because society thinks you should. Right. So don't don't, me... don't flip it around and go the other <laughs> way. <laughs> don't make me feel pressure to do what you're doing. Like, let's just all do what we want to do. As so... I shake my head back and forth like a Kermit the Frog fit. <laughs> <laughs> that was extremely fashionable. <laughs> but I do think there's they come close to that. And then they'll kind of back off and be like, but the monogamy's fine. It's fine. It's totally yeah. fine. It's fine. And a couple of times I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you think it's fine, but I do. So uh, They get into the, the myth that sexual desire is a destructive force, uh, saying that many religions tell us that women's desire is meant to lure men to their doom. It's literally the first story in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that how that goes? I don't know. She ate it. I don't know. Who gives a fuck? It's not even real. (laughs) (laughs) It is an allegory. Yes. It very much is. It is an illustration. It is not really... Six days and the world was built. (laughs) So, I don't know how you argue with that. Yeah, (laughs) I don't. I don't say. Uh, And here's a big myth of monogamy. Uh, loving someone means that it's okay to control them. A lot of people fall into that trap. Yeah. And, and turn a, mon- a healthy monogamous relationship quickly into an unhealthy monogamous relationship. Yeah. And, and, and that's when they say that it's important to realize that your partner sleeping with someone else is something that they do for themselves and not something that they do to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then later they kind of get into to communicate that clearly, like if you're having a hard time with your partner sleeping with someone else, not to just be like, I really wish you wouldn't go on that date with Janet. <sighs> but to be like, hey, you're going on that date and I still want you to go, but I'm really having a hard time with it because of these reasons. Can we have a talk about those specific things and address my concerns? So it's being very specific about like your emotions and like being very aware of 
why you're feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. I feel like that part of it is very healthy and is good for you, like, no matter what kind of relationship you're in. Even with, like, your friends and your mom and dad, like, that is never a bad thing. Yeah. Know why you feel what you feel Mm -hmm. is a huge, a huge important thing. Uh, yeah, and it's just not controlling people. Like just like what you just said of don't don't go on that date because I don't like it. It means you have some feelings that you need to work on. Right. But those feelings don't give you the right to tell someone else what to do. Mm-hmm. They still need to live their love. And so the jealousy is inevitable but not impossible to overcome, which was a huge thing for me to, to read out of this. I've never been a particularly jealous person anyway, but the, the whole fact that... There's, there's this whole underlying mentality that I'm jealous, so you need to change. That the jealousy is like the supreme emotion. Yeah. There was, there was a show, a comedy show that happened here in Tulsa, uh, I don't know why, about a couple years ago. And it was like, so it was the band that was playing and they were singing like funny songs and making stuff up and just kind of improv and everything. Uh-huh. And they brought a person on stage. Well, the person that they brought on stage, they didn't know this, but she was an improv comic. And then they brought another guy up on stage who was a stand-up comic from... The, the band didn't know this. The band's not from Tulsa, but right. they brought these two people up. And so they start getting into all kinds of scenes. Like, obviously, it's a late-night show. It's a guy and a girl, and they get the conversation gets sexual. Uh, the guy uh, was a black guy, and they start chanting, Big Black Dick! Big Black Dick! <laughs> and then asked the girl, What do you want? She said, I want some of that Big Black Dick! And gets the crowd chanting again. Her boyfriend got real upset about that. Oh, no. And I was like, Dude, it's a show. We all we know both of these people. You know she's not going to go fuck the guy. Like, it's all, you're an, like, she's an improv comic. She's just right. yes anding these fucking people. Right, it's a show. She's playing to the crowd. <laughs> you know she's going home with you. Right. She's not going to run off and, like, hold hands and like run off with them and be like bye fuck you I'm getting my big black dick <laughs> like uh, and it was fine like they didn't it wasn't too big of a deal like they I guess talked through it or whatever I was like I was just surprised that there were there were people like yeah she really shouldn't have done that it's like you're all comedians <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about calm down <laughs> yeah I think in non-sexual kind like um, if my girlfriend says she doesn't like something, I still will, and not jealousy wise, but like, for example, she doesn't like to kiss after someone's been drinking. So I just won't drink hmm. when I'm, because she doesn't like how my mouth, my breath tastes, which yeah. is totally fair. So I just don't drink around her because it's like not that big of a loss for me. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't need to, I'm hanging out with you. Like we'll do some, like, that's totally fine. So I think in some things you can bring it up and your partner can be like, hmm, okay, let me take a step back from what I want to do. Let's actually have a conversation about this. I yeah. mean, it really opens it up to both of you to have that conversation. Yeah. At that point, you're not controlling someone. You're just discussing your boundaries. Yeah. And both people have input and both people's feelings matter. And then you find something that works for the two of you. Yeah. And she said like something about, you just have to learn to sit with your jealousy sometimes. And people treat it like... It is the worst and biggest emotion. I mean, literally, people kill other people because yeah. they get jealous. Like, they're like, well, what were you going to do? We came home and found a spouse fucking somebody. <laughs> it's like, murder. Well, that's, yeah. It doesn't justify anything. No. Like, that's your responsibility. She says it feels bad, sometimes very bad, but it's not intolerable. It's like anger, rage, or any of those things. Those aren't pleasant for me to feel, but. 
a fucking grown up and I will handle them in ways that are appropriate. I'm not going to go in my job and like scream at people. Yeah, even though sometimes you definitely <laughs> want to. <laughs> yeah, I have been there. Uh, they get into discussing their beliefs and say that our ethics come from our own sense of rightness and the empathy and love we hold for people around us. Uh, there isn't a poly mismanners to tell you what to do, so we make it up as we go. <laughs> Which is, this book has kind of become the poly mismanners because, yeah. so, because it's become so popular and so kind of widespread in the ethical slut. Well, it is the ethical yeah. <laughs> I just called it the ethical slut community, so I've, I've just taken the na- name of the book and called us all that. Yeah, as but much that's... as they didn't want to create like the kind of religious text for this they kind of did <laughs> and, and there are other books like this but i guess this has been the one that's kind of caught on as more most popular uh but that's that's a good healthy outlook i think of our ethics come from our own empathy and love we hold for the people around us that's that's way better than i don't know some dude a thousand years ago wrote something yeah. <laughs> someone told me i was supposed to do this right somebody told me i was supposed to do this and it'll make me good um, what are some of their values? What's um, let's see. Uh, so it, it gets into simply means doing whatever you want, whenever you want. With it doesn't mean simply doing whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want. You have to be a pragmatic criteria for ethics. Uh, is anyone being harmed? Is there any way to avoid the harm? Is everyone aware of risks? Uh, that's one of the things that I hear a lot, especially in specifically in kink and BDSM is a, a term called RAC, which is risk-aware consensual kink. Hmm. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people in the kink and BDSM community shy away from calling it safe play because there's no, like there's it's, always some level of risk involved. That's why it's fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so they just, so it's referred to as risk-aware so everyone knows what the risks are and then you do your best to, you know, to make it as safe as possible. Yes. I have this focus on consent and not just physically, not just the physical parts of the relationship, but also emotional parts of it. Like, um, don't tell your partner you don't want to have sex because you have a headache. You need to be honest. Like, and all of that part of it, I'm like, every, I wish everyone like thought like this and I wish it wasn't just part of this little like sub culture like that needs to be the culture yeah like that could be the culture even for people who yes. are monogamous right that's so helpful. saying like everyone needs to be on board with i love that high value on that do you ever see people well do you have you ever seen people try to subvert that in any way so like even maybe just being a little too pushy um and if so how does the community kind of handle that um, I don't know that I've seen that. There's been a few times where I thought I was seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was one couple uh, that I'm friends with that go to the dungeon. And so he's he's the top, she's the bottom, and they're into all types of pain and rope play and all types of stuff. Uh, and there'd be a couple times where somebody would bring a new toy in and he would tell her, oh, bend over, I want to hit you with that. And she'd be like, oh, no, I'm scared. He said, I said, bend over. And they had like church. She had like a master slave to the point where her profile on FetLife is just like his name's Slave. That's okay. her. So that's kind yeah. of their dynamic anyway. And they'd be like, nope, you need to turn over. The more you make me wait, the more it's going to hurt. And like he kind of pushes her and then eventually she'll do it and then he'll hit her with a toy or 
kick her in the pussy or whatever they do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I kind of got uncomfortable with that, but it's like, okay, but nobody else is. There's a lot of people more experienced than him. They are more experienced than Kink and I am, so maybe I just don't understand their dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then later, there was a conversation, uh, like on a separate day later, and she was like, yeah, I always get real nervous before you know we do some type of impact play, but then after the first or second time he hits me, I want more. <laughs> so it's like, so like he knows that about her yeah. that she gets nervous but likes it when it happens, and that's why he's pushy with her. She kind of needs and probably kind of wants, yeah, that little teasing kind of push. Like, no, don't, yeah, <laughs> don't hit me. She's like, please hit me, <laughs> please do it. I so I don't know if you saw this story. There is a guy. He was really well-known on Instagram. He's a gay guy who has a bunch of pups. So he has guys that live with him. This is where I'm like, the consent got blurry. The kink was ownership kind of stuff. To the point he made them sign a contract. Where outside of scenes, he controlled their finances, who they could associate with, blah, blah, blah. One of them ended up dying because his kink was really giant balls and he would make them inflate their testicles with saline. And one of the guys died from the like effects of his balls being blown up like that. That's where you're not risk aware yeah. of your kink. Yeah, it was just like and that gets into a blurry line because it was not it never ended. Yeah. Like, and that also gets, with the guy that died, it gets into bottom advocacy, where yeah. you can't just say, oh, well, he's the top, I'll, I trust him to know. Like, you have to know for yourself what is healthy and what the risks are. You can't just trust the top all the time to know everything. Right, you gotta be your own person still and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's key. And I could see, I think that's the thing, like, people with this kind of stuff they're talking about. I can tell one of them has like a mental health background and it's really this in it's really healthy form requires high self-esteem, a high level of like self-actualization. Like I know exactly who I am and I know exactly who I want. I'm not ashamed to ever say it. And I just wonder how many people who are in this lifestyle are truly like at that place. Yeah. I mean, self-esteem is, is still an issue for I think anybody, but because it would be I, easy to be like when they're you're playing around with power stuff for that to be messy for someone to say yes because they just don't want to say no to someone because they don't feel good about themselves. I'm like, oh, that gets a little complicated for me. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's still yeah, just because you are poly and should be. Like self-aware doesn't mean that everyone in Polly is self-aware. Right. There are plenty <laughs> of unhealthy people doing this, just as there are yeah. plenty of unhealthy people doing monogamy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and they get into uh, rethinking sexual activity. Uh, they say, "Are you having it right now?" And they will say, "Yes." Reading this book, we wrote this book, and you're reading it. We're having sex right now. <laughs> no, you're not, hippie. <laughs> yeah, I said. I read that. I said, "What?" fuck is this and and they they liken it to um, a food connoisseur maybe a chef or something might smell food and that's a very uh you know 
Oh, okay. A very intimate feeling for it's them. because sensual. Yeah, it is sensual. It's a very intimate feeling for that person because of how much they love food. Yeah. So someone who is diving into ethical non-monogamy, reading this book about sex, you've got sex on the brain, so you're now having sex with the authors. Uh, that is an incredibly vague <laughs> definition is, of the word sex. That is a stretch. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Uh, and I was, and that, was, that was the first time in this book where they completely lost me. And I was like, no, you're, you're, you're being wild hippies. But all right. <laughs> I guess I expected some wild hippie shit in the polyamory book. Yeah, some game. <laughs> we should have saw this coming. <laughs> uh, they talk about denial versus fulfillment, uh, that our culture holds self-denial in great esteem. And that kind of goes back to, you know, abstinence and... and the puritanical yeah, kind of undertones yeah, of everything we do. Except with like, food and everyone's like fucking eat well that's because we live in oklahoma yeah that's <laughs> true <laughs> might be a different situation in california They're like drink wheatgrass <laughs> uh so you don't need a reason uh pleasure is good for you there are plenty of yeah buts but none of them change the core idea and you can say how do you if you they said if you walked up to random people on the street and said well how would you feel about you know having sex and like it's good but you can have home one pregnancy. But you can get STDs. And that's that's all true, and you should prepare for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't change the 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 pleasure itself is good for you. Nothing mm-hmm. is wrong with just pleasure. Yeah. For I, pleasure's sake, not just for, hey, we need a baby. Right. My thing is always, like, things are just things. They're neither good nor bad. It's how we use them. And it is totally that with sex and pleasure. Preach. Yes. Uh, like, I, it's just a thing. So I remember being in high school in like the mid late nineties, and we had one preacher because uh, mom <laughs> took me to church every Sunday, and he was a lunatic, <laughs> <laughs> and he he was the same guy that said uh, when my Jesus wants to destroy the world, ain't no Bruce Willis is going to stop him. Oh, in God. a reference to Armageddon. Was like, <laughs> 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 Were you like the fuck? <laughs> Does he think it's a documentary? Does he think that's real? Because it ain't. Uh, he also said there ain't never going to be no kind of internet in my house. There's too much of that pornography on there. Pornography. <laughs> Could not pronounce words correctly. Uh, and I, I was thought it was like, yeah, but there's also not porn on the internet. Like, yeah. you could use that. Like, your car is a shitty piece of technology if you use it to go, like... Sell drugs and yeah. like whatever you think is unethical. Like your car can drive you to shit places. Yes, <laughs> that's that's so dumb. Right. Just don't use it for looking at porn if you think that's bad. <laughs> Put a little filter on there for yourself. I don't have to tell you. <clears throat> uh, and they say they also uh, this one kind of hits on for me talking about you don't need a reason for pleasure. And yes, there are risks, but you can you know have non-monogamy safely. Uh, Athletes get injured playing sports. We don't stop playing sports. Right. <laughs> like, we put on helmets. We do other things. Like, we understand the risks. Yeah. And we, like, consent to do it or not. Yeah. Um, I, she sets me in here. Many people, in fact, find that their outside relationships increase their intimacy with their primary partner by reducing pressures on that relationship. My thought was, like, aren't the pressures just different, though? Yes. Their pressures are different, but there's still something there. You can learn, and I'm speaking specifically of my own experience with my relationship. You can learn about yourself in ways that you might not have learned about yourself if you stayed in that monogamous relationship. Uh, my t- 
main example of this is, so my girlfriend started dating other guys, uh, and I'm not a hold the door open for you. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe if it's a special occasion, if it's Valentine's or something, but but typically, <laughs> fucking, I don't. You're an adult. Open the door. Doors open. Right. What's we fun? live together. See you every day. Like, you only do this every day. Yeah. Uh, and so little things like that that some of the other guys she was dating were doing that for her. Uh, and it was more than just opening doors, but just the way they handle stuff. And one day we were talking about it, and she's like, yeah, Tom, I just don't think you're much of a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, I didn't know that you wanted you know, all of these other little things. Mm -hmm. and, and I've also dated women in the past that fucking wouldn't do that. Like it was, they, they felt very condescended if I tried to open the door or do something of that nature. Uh, my girlfriend was like, yeah, I've never really asked a guy to do that before, but now that I see it, I kind of like. <laughs> She's like, I don't expect you to do it every time we go anywhere, but it's like, just, just think about just being a little more gentlemanly, just in general. And so that kind of changed our relationship. She learned something about herself. Like she said, she'd never ask yeah, anyone to do it. Yeah. She didn't really think she wanted it until she saw it being done. Right. It's not just that you're learning about new sexual stuff you like. It's yeah. more relational and emotional kind of needs, too. That makes sense. Uh, and they also say, and this is some other wild hippie shit, but I'm totally on board with this. <laughs> we believe it is good to have sex with anyone you love, and we believe in loving everyone. Fuck everybody, everybody. <laughs> I hope we all go fuck each other. They also talk about you're already whole. Like, don't look for mm -hmm. this relationship. And this is another one that, that's good for poly or monogamy. Don't look for your relationship to complete you. Right. That whole whatever fucking movie that was from, we're like, you complete me. Yeah, I can't remember. Leave that shit in the movies because yeah. <laughs> that's not how real life works. <laughs> yeah, like your partner can be there to support you and help you work through shit, but it's not their job to completely fill in that hole for you they're, yeah. they're there to help you grow and fill it in yourself maybe right. like push you along yeah, but not hold. to actually do the thing yeah they hold where's your other half line that's very tongue-in-cheek that's not a healthy person <laughs> yeah. they say that one point your other or better shutter half yeah. like oh please don't call them your better half <laughs> you are good enough <laughs> uh they get into like non like different styles of non-monogamy uh, that ethical slut house, ethical sluthood is a house with many rooms. <laughs> it's the big tent, like the Democratic Party. <laughs> There's room for everyone. Uh, yeah, and so they talk about a lot of different ways of that. Of you can be, uh, there's polygamy with many wives that you touched on. Uh, and here's one I haven't heard: Pauland polyandry. I forget how they pronounce that. But it's a woman with many husbands. Yeah, I have heard of that. I didn't know that was a thing. I remember learning about it in a like sociology course in college and going, what now? <laughs> <laughs> I can collect them. Yeah, but apparently it's like the only culture in that particular book it talked about was like some Tibetan people who it just yeah. made more sense. Like a wife would marry brothers. I think there were more men than women. Way more men than women. And so it just made sense to Oh yeah, because you're going to want to have, like as parents, you want to have a boy. 
because they're more valuable than girls. Of course. So. <laughs> Obviously. Mean. Then you end up with, well, I guess we're five-on-one gangbanging because there's more, <laughs> too yes. many dicks swinging around here. I guess we have to share wives now. So <laughs> we did not think this yeah. through. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, it's a group marriage in marriages where it is a domestic business relationship and intimacy happens outside the marriage. That sounds more like a like a maybe an arranged marriage type of thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, I worked at a hotel in, in where the people were Indian. I mean, from fucking India. And in their 50s at the time. Uh, and they were married in India through an arranged marriage. That's just both of their families for generations had done it that way. And they met on their fucking wedding day. <laughs> yeah, which... She hated her husband. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when I hear people talk about that, this is literally always how the conversation goes. Can you believe arranged marriage is a thing? And then someone be like, those people are actually super happy and they have a lower divorce rate. And I'm just like, oh, well, that doesn't mean... They're having a lower divorce rate doesn't mean they're necessarily happy. Like, probably no more happy than people who self-select people, but maybe there's more cultural pressure to not separate yeah like if you can't even pick your spouse i can't imagine your family would be like yeah leave them right uh, no I'm just like, well even even if you go back a few decades in the u.s like you a woman didn't in the 40s and 50s didn't really have the option I mean, it's not that they were just working harder to make the relationships work neither of my grandmothers could fucking drive a car okay <laughs> <laughs> they weren't divorcing anyone and maybe they didn't want to but they i'm saying they didn't have the option really even if they did want to yeah i people talk about like you know the divorce rate going up and then i think i'm not sure where that trend is now for a long time it was going up i saw that as a good thing there's a lot of women and men too who are in shit relationships who are like, I do not have to live like this anymore. And I think that's the great thing. You know, one of the good parts about Polly, you have more choices than you're not so stuck in something if it's not working for you. Yeah, and they talk a little bit about utopian sexual communities. There was a UNITA, UNITA community of 18th century Ohio. And another one in Carissa, New York in the 1960s where it was a relatively small community, uh, but no one had their primary. Everyone was dating Mm -hmm. everyone and loving everyone and sharing the different experiences. Like, well, that's some extra level wild hippie shit. (laughs) It was super rude in feminism before that was even like, I mean, this was way before like those movements were really strong. And I thought an interesting part of that was the children were not particularly attached to just their parents. And so it freed women up. They sent women to medical school and law school and like all this stuff because they were literally sharing the responsibility. Um, I thought it was great, but it was funny is when that guy, the guy had to flee the country because he was almost in trouble for breaking some laws that made it illegal to talk about birth control. So he had to flee to Canada like the minute he left, they started getting married and building houses for individual families. Yeah, and I was wondering when I was reading this stuff, like, is this a community or a sex cult? <laughs> okay. Well, in this, she mentions fucking the guy from Hidden Country or whatever that documentary is on Netflix 
where it starts out as like a fun sex cult and they end up spraying salmonella all over salad bars in Washington and stockpiling machine guns. So it was like, uh, maybe not such utopia. Got yeah. a little out of hand. Yeah. But like those never end well. Took a wrong turn in Albuquerque there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rajneesh, whatever his name is. Yeah. Osho. I don't know. Uh, it happens a lot between artists and free thinkers, just the whole bohemian thing. Uh, and hippies, like the actual 60s hippies did a lot of that type of stuff. Uh, they get into ethical sluthood today, that ethical sluts uh, come in as many different forms as there are people around the world. Poly, sometimes, uh, poly people sometimes live in communities of their own and out of mainstream society, which sounds interesting. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I think they said there was a place in San Francisco, surprise, where they do this. <laughs> uh, but because there is a bit of a threat if you're polyamorous, uh, depending on which state you live in, probably Oklahoma is one of them, <laughs> and probably a lot of them. I guess most of our states are red states, uh, where if it gets out to the wrong people or the wrong authorities that you are polyamorous, they can take your kids away. You can lose your job. Like people can legitimately get fired over this. Yeah, if your employers have to be super uncomfortable when you're being public, yeah, like that doesn't reflect well on the company. You gotta go. Right. Uh, and and with teachers, educators, there's a, a, a morality clause, and apparently this exists so that like a parents can say, oh, well, that person is whatever they do, they do their their weird stuff, so you don't have to pay attention to them. They don't have any morals. They don't have any authority over you. And of course, that's hugely problematic in the classroom. But the result is, if you're polyamorous, if you're whatever you are that they deem immoral. And just fucking fire you. Yeah. And if use that as justification. So there's a lot of different reasons that people can lose their jobs over this, even today. Well, I remember when Nefarious was on, because she's like a mental health professional. And so I was like, uh, are you at all? Because her Instagram is fairly popular and like public. I was like, are you worried about this? Because like, I am cagey sometimes just about even the stuff we talk about on this podcast and it being really public. Um, and it's scary to be that open with your sexuality. Yeah, and then they talk about the lessons we can learn from other people. They talk about lesbian lessons, the way lesbians <laughs> like uh, approach and treat each other. Maybe you can uh, shed Should some I? light on this. I don't, I don't know. But yeah. they're talking about the fact that uh, you know, openly stating desire and paying attention to consent is to not make the person you're pursuing feel pressured into an uncomfortable situation that that women so when it's lesbians everyone's a woman uh that's what lesbians are yeah. <laughs> uh that they're, they're more more aware of making someone uncomfortable when they're approaching them for seduction yeah like when we started talking she would be very direct with me about how she felt about me and i'd be like oh woo, woo, my god and she was like after a couple of weeks she was like oh, I was wondering if this was freaking you out because I knew you had only been with men. <laughs> like, just for her, it was a recognition of, like, this is a very different thing when you're with a woman, and it's much more forward in that way. I, like, really like... Like, there's none of that, like, I can't come over and see you on Tuesday because I have to water my plants. Like, there's less of that, I think. Uh, the, yeah, it's not because like, I have a headache. There's yeah. none of that. <laughs> where men are like, oh, I didn't see my phone. Or like some of that game playing where they don't want to seem too serious about you. Yeah, Because okay. they get kind of like freaked out. It's like, 
you're always doing this back and forth with them. It's like kind of a game. I There was so much less of that. And then the consent part, I was just laughing. I had a note in my phone about this, but um, while I was reading this, because the first time we kissed, I asked her permission. I was like, can I kiss you? Like, I was like, I need to be very clear about whether or not this is something you want and if it's okay with you. And I would say throughout, we still talk about everything we do. It's all been a conversation we've had at some point, and we know that it's like on the table. So, yeah, I would say for me that has been a true experience. Uh, then they talk about gay men that have set world records as world-class sluts. Have the gay men. <laughs> <laughs> so they have always modeled sluttery for the rest of us to admire. Uh, they put Part of this is the, the balance of power. Because everyone is male, there is no need for manipulation or pressure. That men have more confidence in their ability to protect themselves from abuse. I also have heard that some of the sexual freedom in the gay community is because they've always existed outside the rules they were never you're never getting with someone thinking we're until like five six years i don't know how many years ago when gay marriage became a thing you weren't going into it thinking we're gonna get married right and so you were able to craft your own rules because the rules for everyone else did not apply to you so i've heard that's also kind of like some of that too yeah they're not under as much of the you need to have a pair bond and like make babies pressure that heteros are under. That's good. And they get to make up their own rules for their relationships, which is what everyone should be doing. Yes. <laughs> it's your relationship, <laughs> not everyone's. So do what is right for you I, and your partner. I do know some gay men who love a bathhouse, girl. They <laughs> love a bathhouse. I like to go in there and swing their dick around a little. It's a lot of that. <laughs> Like, have fun. Just be safe. Risk aware consent. Yeah, just, just slinging that whale rope around. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, they talk about bisexuals uh, long regarded as gays that still want straight privilege, greedy or indecisive, or just afraid to come out of the closet. And that that, is, that perception is, is starting to change uh, a little bit, that they're get, bisexuals are getting a little more accepted by both the, like, gay community and the straight community because yeah. they've kind of taken it from all sides. Yeah. Even, like, occasionally if my girlfriend's always like, I will never trust a bisexual. And I'm like, you gotta stop me. Like, oh my god, girl. Um, an interesting little tidbit with that, I'm pretty sure this is a statistic from when I last did research on this, but I believe that bisexual women are the most likely to experience violence in their relationships hmm. or sexual violence. I can't remember what the exact statistic is. It's like people are so uncomfortable with that. It becomes like violent towards them and it's yeah. a threat for them a lot of the time. Uh, the authors do say that bisexuals challenge the social norms of both homosexuals and heterosexual communities and sluts like the authors of this book enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, didn't they talk about heteros for some reason? I don't know why they're talking about us. <laughs> uh, the Ozzie and Harriet household of lifelong monogamy and conformity has been presented as the ideal form of love. Glad we outlived that way of thinking. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, I mean, that still is very much the kind of ideal. And, and even like we said earlier, like it's so, so ingrained in our culture that you don't even recognize or are aware 
that there's another way to do things. Or if you're even in a sex cult, the minute the sex cult leader leaves, <laughs> yeah. you're like, ah, we should shack up. Oh, my <laughs> like it's that deep. <laughs> Let's see here. What else do we got? Uh, it gets into, uh, you know, in the past, non-monogamous uh, sexual interactions were called wife swapping, which in itself is a sexist term. Yeah. You're swapping you're, your husband, too. Right. You're, you're still putting the ownership of women, the wife as the property yeah. to the man in that. Uh, swinging is a, is a broad term that includes long-term couple swapping or just plain old fuck parties. Fuck <laughs> uh, It can be a little more mainstream than other aspects uh, of sluthood. And here's where it gets interesting. Uh, bisexual women are common and bisexual men are still mostly frowned upon. Um, but probably more common than we all believe. Right. <laughs> They're less. there. It's common, but frowned upon by uh, the, the community, which is, is a weird thing, but it's still... It makes uh, people real uncomfortable. Yeah, two men's... I mean, personal opinion of mine, I think two dudes having sex is gross. That's why I don't have sex with men, and that's pretty <laughs> and much don't what... don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been to, to parties where there were, there were dudes getting on, and I just, you know looked somewhere else and did something else and that's pretty much the yeah. end of that and I'm sure they were like and moved on and did the same thing to you yeah uh, they talk about sex workers because uh, that's obviously a, a non-monogamous thing there's a social stigma they're not all desperate drug addicts like I don't know how I mean I know how it gets started but there's still so many people that just, that want to like shit on sex workers whether it's Yes. strippers or prostitutes or anything. So I just listened to this podcast about they basically debunk really sensational media stories from the last 10 to 20 years and they did an episode on Anna Nicole Smith and what was so interesting is everyone thought she was such a gold digger all of this um, she had a genuine relationship with that man. He pursued her for two years and was like please let me marry you, please let me marry you they would meet and talk he promised to like take care of her forever. Like she resisted him. She did not. She's not some minx who went <laughs> looking for that. Like they happened to meet. After a while, she enjoyed his companionship. Like it might not have been what you and I would want, but it was legitimate for both of them. But because she met him when she was a stripper, right. people were so they shit on her until it like literally killed her. Like it's yeah. just the craziest thing. It sucks. They're just people. Just people. Uh, they get into the practice of sluthood, uh, saying that it's an abundance, and but there are real-world limits. Uh, they refer to the starvation economy uh, as real-world limits. Like So a starvation economy, the way kind of they describe it here is that there's not, you feel like there's only a certain, a limited amount of love. Uh, kind of, I don't know, just how, they present it as like multiple children and like growing up in a household and then you have to compete for your parents' love. Mm-hmm. You feel like there's not enough to go around, uh, which in terms of love isn't true. There's always enough love for everyone from anyone. Yeah. Uh, they mentioned that there's never a limit on the amount of love. There is a limit on the amount of time. And we have, this is always <laughs> my point with this. I'm like, I got a lot of love. I have very little time. Yeah. And, like, energy to give to all these fucking people. <laughs> oh, my God. Love who you want, but scheduling is always going to be difficult yes. in polyamory. And I love that they talk about that. They're like, 
uh, you're really going to need to get a shared calendar if you're going to do this. Oh, and we do. My yeah. girlfriend and I do. And then when when she had another boyfriend, like she would bring him in. Like so, the three of us, <laughs> like anything that they were doing together, like it would be on our shared yeah. calendar. Uh, there is a really funny story where when we first started getting to polyamory, there was uh, a husband that scheduled a date with my girlfriend, and his wife scheduled a date for me. Uh, and it was going to be on the same day, and they were like, we know y'all are new, so we're going to kind of do all this together. We'll, both, we'll all four go downtown, just separate parts of downtown, and okay. have drinks or whatever. And then like a day or two before this date was supposed to happen, I get a call, a text from her. My girlfriend gets a text from him, and they realize, oh, that day we scheduled the date is our uh, anniversary. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> we completely forgot. We didn't know each other, yes. <laughs> like a whole thing. We're going to reschedule that? Uh it does say that your limits can stretch, which is something that we've, you know, definitely done. Uh, especially when you like, we didn't grow up around polyamory. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. some other poly friends, like their parents were polyamorous, so they had brothers, sisters, they had people growing up that were poly. When that's not a thing for you, it, it is a big, a big stretch. I like that they made the point that when you start out, you the conversations with your partner start out with a lot of what you don't want out of it. Yeah. And then they grow, and once you become secure enough in that, it grows into what do I actually want yeah. from these other relationships. So you're not going into those other connections just thinking about, well, I can't do A, B, C, and D, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like more, it's more like free to explore and whatever. I thought that was interesting. Uh, it also says it's important to know yourself and your programming. We all carry around baggage in our brain. We may oppress others of or our friends, but these thoughts are the symptoms of negative sex thinking. And to be rad- to be a radical slut, you must uproot them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negative sex thinking that kind of gets ingrained to us through society that we don't even recognize as negative sex thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that's just how things are. I do appreciate that was I do appreciate that about the perspective of this book we've talked about is just that emotional awareness of why you're reacting to things the way you are and understanding like, oh, when you treated me like that, reminded me of this time, or reminded me how my dad used to treat me when I was a kid. So like, let's talk about that and ways to prevent that and help me manage that in the future. Like, it's not your responsibility, but I'm telling you it's happening and we can work through it. I think that is like the key to anyone being a healthy person. Yeah, and I think that kind of ties into the, the next little thing here. It says, own your feelings. Mm-hmm. No one makes you feel jealous. You do that regardless of what the other person does. You make the decision to react however you choose to react to your partner's actions. Yes. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And again, that's, that's huge for poly or monogamy. Probably maybe more important in poly. But still, this is, this is a hugely important thing for anybody to understand that your feelings are yours it's your shit to work through and you sure you should be talking about it with your partner they can help you process and work through things but you didn't fuck up because i'm jealous right i'm jealous and this is something we need to work on (laughs) and i'm trying to work through it yeah uh they do get into boundaries um and that that's part of what you were saying is that a lot of times when they start it's the things that i don't want and then you can focus on the things that you do want. Uh, but having those kind of relationship boundaries, it's important to deal with each relationship within its own boundaries. Everyone has respect for everyone else's relationships. Mm-hmm. 
that's also really important because there are some people in poly that don't maybe don't respect someone else's relationships. That's what I was thinking while reading this section is I bet there are times when people you or people use their uh, not primary relationship to fuck with their primary. Oh yeah. Uh, I did that even before I moved to Tulsa. So I had a, a girlfriend, and then t- she moved away to go to grad school. Right. Now that's 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 my that's thing. That's what they do. Yeah. Uh, and then while she was away, we decided we were going to try polyamory. And then so we did that. We dated and fucked some other people. And then when we met back up, uh, it was toxic. <laughs> really? It had become of who can sleep with the most people. And then I had slept with more people. So she's like, well, this other guy had a big Coke can dick. So maybe you can fuck me tonight. <laughs> like, I'm paraphrasing, but we were not <laughs> we were not polite to each other. It was uh, yeah. really It was not weird. respectful. It was not respectful. And then like, so I spent the night with her. Uh, and then we woke up the next day and goes, well, that was pretty shitty what we did to each other like let's and then we like trying to lay down some ground rules of how to not do that and then realized we're just not, not work. working like this yeah. <laughs> so but yeah you you can definitely use it as a weapon and it should not be that i also like that she said forget about fairness this does not mean that all things come out equal different relationships have different boundaries limits potential so if you're, like, Brittany found someone that she really liked to watch Alabama football with, instead of you being like, I really wish you watch football with me, <laughs> you know, like, you could go to her and be like, um, why can we, that sounds really interesting, like, can we do that together too, yeah. you know, like, um, but not expecting everything to be, well, you spent two nights with him, so you better spend two nights with me this week, and, like, it better add up. Yeah. But not keeping not, score. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, and I've seen other people in relationships where uh, one girl had, you know, one boyfriend and he, he wasn't even her primary, but then she was with another guy and she like told the, the other guy and she's like, I want to slow things down. And he was like, well, you went faster with this other guy. What does he have that I don't have? And that's it's not when, about you. That's when you have to pause and go, it's not a contest. <laughs> Everyone is, is, is whatever their relationship is. Um, and it's it's okay if she wants to take things slower with someone else. That's not, you know, a negative. That's not an insult to that guy. Yeah. It's just a different nature of relationship, and that's difficult to do. I've also had that, like, seeing not to compare. It's yeah. So hard not and to it's compare. so hard not to compare. And I've look, I've been guilty of it too. And I have to like pause myself and go, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Why do I feel this way? Is it the way I want to feel? And then work through whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the get into uh, revenge activity. I said Which we talked about, like, you cannot use this to get back at someone. Right. <laughs> That's not how this is supposed to be used. Uh, they also talked about unethical sluthood, that people seem to trick people into activity to treat their and treat their partners as trophies and not friends with whom... They shared passion. Oh my God! There was one part in there where they talked about the, this woman who found this guy was trying to sleep with her, and then she found out that he had fucked her sister and her mom, and he was trying to complete the set. And I was <laughs> like, "What the fuck? I would yeah. lose my mind." Yeah, like get out. Yeah, that's. I am not like your like final piece of the puzzle, bitch. Yeah, that is that's too much. Unethical slut. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Uh, they get into flirting and cruising. 
Let's say it's a skill, and is there a difference? And then I read it, and I said, yes, the difference is uh, semantics. That's the difference in flirting <laughs> and cruising. Uh, they, they, they describe it as flirting as uh, flirting happens anywhere, and cruising happens more at a swinger club or, a, or a, just a nightclub where people are going out and, and meeting and fucking. That's what they describe the difference between or the Or that cruising has more intention behind it. Right. There's already a decision made, like, I want to fuck you. Yeah. And flirting is like, do I want to fuck you? Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of the like line between them uh, and I like in this chapter she says sneaky come-ons are a pain it works better to simply ask and if you hear a no do not argue yeah so talking about men trying to sneakily like touch you more than they should or like uh, trying to constantly make the conversation sexual and like when the woman keeps trying to change the subject and they keep being like, yeah, but uh, your ass looks good. And they're like, fucking goddamn it. It's like, no. These pants have pockets. Like, they immediately change it. Yeah. Oh, these have, these have two legs. They are pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they say that men are taught to never take no for an answer and women are taught to never say yes. Which back It's not to, good. No, it's not good. Uh, and it's kind of like it's it is society, but it's also kind of a, a natural state. Like even even animals in nature, it's the male of the species is out there trying to fuck everything to like fertilize the species, and then it's the woman that has to because you can only get so pregnant so many times. Yes, <laughs> like it's the true. female that's like, no, you're not. No, I'm pregnant again. <laughs> you're not procreation worthy. You yeah. need to back off. Like for the quality of the species. Yeah, and that whole dynamic, all it does is teaches men not to take no seriously. Yeah. It teaches them to ask again and again. It is, like, so destructive because a lot of times people really fucking mean it. Yeah. <laughs> like, they mean no. And it's something that, as human males, uh, like, we have to condition our own, like, mammal natural instincts to, like, understand you're living in a society now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there was, I saw a nature documentary... And it's a male elephant, and you can there are female elephants in heat, and all all the female elephants' friends and family around. Well, the male elephant shows up, and he's like, he smells her pussy, and he's like, oh, time to fuck. Uh, and then she doesn't want to fuck, and it's like, oh, she she's playing hard to get, she's running around, she's kicking him off, and then finally, I don't know why I'm British for the To me, it made total sense. Right, and then finally, uh, she succumbs to his seduction, and they mate. Afterwards, she is comforted by her friends, and it's like, oh. We just watched Elephant Rape. That's yeah. what we fucking watched. Like, she didn't want to do that. <laughs> like, she ran and kicked this thing until finally it jumped on top of her. And then, like, she cried and her friends comforted her. <laughs> that's like, pretty much how it goes with yeah. people. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, so that's kind of a natural state for males uh, of most, probably all species. <laughs> uh, ducks have a bad reputation yeah, for rape. Yeah, ducks are rapists. Uh, but... Animals also shit without wiping their ass. So, human men have to learn how to shit and wipe your ass. I was listening to a podcast this week, though, the same one. They were debunking the idea of an alpha male. And it came out of, like, some World War II stuff. And um, basically their point was, like, that none of that was real. Those were came out of animals that were in captivity and stuff. Alpha male and whatever. Those were actually just, like, the parents of everyone else and that's why they were in charge because it was mom and dad like it's not because of some like other thing I don't know and their point at the end of it was dogs eat their shit (laughs) we don't go around and be like well we all gotta eat our doo doo now I mean if that's what you want to do that's what you gotta do man um, and they get into 
you know, a lot of other things about, especially with the flirting and cruising, they say yes and no. It's important to know what you want and don't be afraid to ask for it. And don't be afraid to take no for an answer. Yeah. It's, it's just more of that open communication that becomes really important, especially in, in this dynamic. And just putting yourself out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bad flirt. I'm terrible. Are you? I don't know how to. I love to flirt so much. It does not surprise me at all. Uh, and, and I've also learned that they also talk about flirting without expectations. Just get to know yeah. that person and be sexual and it's fine. And oftentimes for me, like if I'm flirting just for the sake of flirting... That's when the woman actually is like, oh, so we should, you should put your pecker in me. Like, then I was like, oh, I didn't know you wanted that. I wasn't even trying to get there. I was just talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> just something to do. I used a line in college, like when I would be flirting, and it's just vulgar jokes was my, is my MO for flirting. Uh, and I would like see the woman I was talking to kind of pull back. And I'll say, ah, I'm horny, but I'm harmless. <laughs> and, like, and then they start laughing, and the situation is cool. And I was like, all right, I don't know why that works, but it does. So I'm gonna it's because it. we're terrified. We're terrified of men. So I feel like I promise I'm not going to do anything crazy. They're like, oh, I enjoy myself now. Yeah. Uh, they talk about keeping play safe uh, because careless sex can kill. Yeah. And it's, it's true. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I think is pretty important, especially with ethical non-monogamy like I said we get it in a poly group and I'm like I'm gonna fuck her and then she's fucked him and him and her and him <laughs> and then they fuck and like you really break down that spider web and go oh I fucked two people that have fucked 20 other people <laughs> like, like anyone can be patient zero if we're not yeah. careful so you've gotta you really gotta protect yourself and not be ashamed or be, be scared to say no I, we're not having unprotected oral we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up we're gonna do something uh, and they also say, like, there's a lot of things you can do that don't involve someone squirting inside someone else. Yes. <laughs> oh, part of this chapter I found interesting, and I'm saying this knowing people might take it in a controversial way. Good. But I want to explore this. We're because... so safe on this podcast. Yeah. Let's be controversial for a change. <laughs> um, people raised, she talks about people raised as men in this culture are taught to push and insist never take no for an answer. And I thought that phrasing of people raised as men was very interesting because I know some trans women, especially that are older, who still have these very masculine characteristics in how they pursue people. And it, and I'm not saying trans people are predatory. I'm just saying You're just I saying have men seen are predatory. Yes. <laughs> and so if you were raised and cultured in that, that doesn't automatically go away. You still, this like these people I'm talking about, may have lived a good portion of their life as a man and are still very much in that hat like you don't that doesn't all just go away the minute you transition so i thought that phrasing was so interesting because it's like raises a man is a very clear thing yeah i've never heard someone say that clear distinction yeah yeah and that phrase went completely unnoticed by oh hetero cisgender tom (laughs) (laughs) i was like i know this name like I've seen this person make people like be do this kind of persistent pursuit and be rebuffed over and over again and continue to do it. And everyone's like, oh, please stop <laughs> doing this. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's just an interesting point. Like, it doesn't go away necessarily. Yeah, it really doesn't. Uh, they get to talking into unwanted pregnancy as, as we're getting in the, in the, uh, 
Talk about messy. Whew, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, you guys live together. Can you imagine Brittany got pregnant by someone else? <laughs> I don't even like Ah. Uh, well, and then, and, and it also gets into what if, you know, the woman is, is you know, unable or unwilling to, to keep the pregnancy, but the man wants to wants to right and then like if you care about each other she cares about him and his opinions like you don't just get Who to wins? say yeah you don't get to just say hey fuck you it's another incredibly difficult conversation yeah. that the two of you have to have to decide on that's not some emotional problem you just work through it's like a life changing event yeah and a and, huge lifelong decision and the clock is ticking what <laughs> right uh, we are in a red state you gotta jump on this don't do it <laughs> by the time you realize you're pregnant it's already probably illegal at this you point <laughs> Uh, yeah, so and and there are a lot of ways, a lot of different methods of contraception now, but and they also say that it's important uh, if abortion is the decision that both partners should share in both the financial and emotional stress of an abortion. Yeah, I uh, which is important. I had a friend that I think it was the morning after pill. I don't think she had like a surgical abortion, but she did like the morning after thing, which still kind of fucked her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she there was a lot of blood. And vomit, and I don't know what happened, but it was a very unpleasant experience for her to, to go through that. And then the dude that she hooked up with, uh, like, wouldn't answer her calls or respond to her texts. He just fucking ditched her, and she's like, yeah, I was, just, I was just in the bathroom by myself dealing with that for however long it took. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sucks, dude. Like, don't be shitty to people. Be decent. Especially That's when like they... Sh- book. Be yeah. decent. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets into something that I am not familiar with. Child rearing, like ki- raising kids, and when you and your partner, probably primary, have oh are poly. Yeah. Uh, so that do raise- you, like, do you let your kids know? I mean, all this is such a big decision. The only people that I know that are poly and have kids that I can think of, maybe I'm wrong. Oh no, I know a couple. Uh, but there's one like that. That's she's a teenager, uh, so. So like oh, they yeah, yeah so so like if you, and they they talk about this book like if it's your She's teenager busy. if it's your teenager well they're gonna pick up on more than than a five year old does yeah so they're gonna know oh this is it's any conversation girlfriend conversation about sex it's developmentally appropriate and yeah that's one of the things they really get into like if it's a younger kid make sure that that it's age appropriate mm-hmm. and even though it's up to you to determine what like your child's maturity level and what is or not age appropriate. Like, be aware of that, and just like when you're having a conversation with your partner and asking questions for your partner, ask questions to your kid. <laughs> I think yeah. I think it's a, and Dossie tells a story that, or maybe somebody else, but <laughs> I don't know if it was her, she's telling a story on behalf of someone, yeah. that they're talking to their kid about sex, like a young kid about sex, and they get to the end of the conversation and say, well, since we're here, do you have any further questions? And the kid looks up horrified and says, you've already told me more than I ever thought I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> and said, so be sure and ask him, do you want to know this? Uh, and That's then, so true, giving your kids consent. Like, I'm not ready for this for me right now. <laughs> Give them the out. Uh, they talk about, you know, what should they see? Should they, if you're married and have other boyfriends, girlfriends, should your kids see you holding hands, kissing, cuddling on the couch and watching TV? Um, and it's just stuff that the book doesn't have an answer for because it's for each relationship, but something that you've, Gotta be aware of, and don't just stumble into it without thinking about it first. I don't know if this was in. I don't know if we have different versions because chapters are a little different. Um, 
but the whole section on legal considerations with all of this, and a big part of it is in, if children are involved, that you need to have all of these things notarized and very clearly documented about what you would want to happen to your children if you're in and not, and your money and your house and all this if you're in a non-traditional relationship. I mean, because queer people have been dealing with this forever. Yeah. Where I remember watching this documentary, this really young guy they were they were engaged, like about to get married. He fell off a roof and died, and his family took him, buried him on their family plot, and would not let his fiance like be part of any of his end of life. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, just shitty. Just completely cut him out because they didn't like he was gay. Yeah, you know. And so you've got to, if you're in these relationships and you're getting serious about it, you have to really document all that, and protect yourself, and for your possessions. You can lock that up pretty strongly through legal stuff, uh, but you don't own your kids. Right. You can't will your kids to, if, if both parents were to die, you can't will that to one of your other partners. And they were saying, like, you can adopt as a step-parent, but some states, there's still been people who lose, yeah. who've raised these kids their whole life, and then the, like, the partner who's the biological parent dies, and the kid ends up by the law going back to that person's parents or an ex-spouse even though this other person had actually been there the entire time like that's and that's like another thing that's been happening in queer community and it's so much more expensive to be a parent if you're in one of these non-traded like not heteromonogamous situations you have to pay to adopt and there's all this like legal shit around all of it yeah and it also talks about not just your kid with your lovers but you with your lover's kids oh yeah and it becomes kind of a step parent situation where like you want to be able to get along with this kid the kid may not like you like, yeah. and the kid may be a little shithead that you don't like, yeah, like I love you but that fucking kid I don't like him <laughs> so you, he look at me wrong uh, and then they get a little bit deeper into the roadmaps through jealousy uh and it said, does jealousy really exist? It's different for everyone, but it's an umbrella emotion for a variety of ro- emotions about how you feel when your partner connects with someone else. So it's it's fear, it's anger, it's uh, a lot of self-esteem in some cases of just, uh, it's all of that, all kind of bundled up into one thing. Sometimes people, like, even I'm pretty, I think about how I feel a lot in things, and I was in, like, my monthly therapy appointment this week and she was like I was like I feel really guilty about this and she was like are you sure you're not just like sad and disappointed and I was like I am (laughs) you know like sometimes I'm just identifying as that primary emotion I think I feel all the time but it's like a little more layered than that and that was important that you said it that way that's another thing they talk about like don't say you're not you're not jealous you're just sad that she asks you, are you sure you don't just feel this? Yes. And then you get to realize. Like, hey, I am sad. <laughs> yeah. You're not told how you feel. You get to think about it and you realize how you feel. Uh, it also talks a lot about disempowering your jealousy. Uh, that, you know, you can unlearn an emotion and you can change the way you experience jealousy. It becomes a warm summer shower and not a typhoon. And it's based on how you feel about yourself. And sometimes you just have to sit and feel your emotions. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn how to do that. Yeah, and just... Well, we teach people, like, anger management, right? So why could we not learn the same for other negative emotions? Yeah. That are just as destructive. And and, and it's, I think we said this earlier, that jealousy is not 
just this be all end all and like well i was jealous i killed a motherfucker <laughs> like it is one of the worst feelings yeah. i'm not gonna lie it's it, yeah it sucks but it's not unconquerable mm-hmm. you just have to face it and and deal with it emotions want to be felt emotions want to be heard and the longer you try not to the worse it is <laughs> uh the emotions will run their course if you let them is, is one thing they kind of strive home uh Learn to ride the waves of the white water rafting of jealousy and not drown under them. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody. They talk about the poor baby. They, they gave the example of if you feel sad, if you feel jealous, uh, you know, have someone you can talk to that doesn't, doesn't want to fix it, doesn't mm-hmm. want to, just wants to hear it, and then will just say, oh, poor baby. Who empathize with you. Empathize, yes. And, and they, they said specifically that phrase, oh, poor baby. And it's like, well, that sounds... Every time I've heard that phrase, that came condescending. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you mean empathy. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, fuck off, I'm going home. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, and that's another one of the things of, of like, well, just my girlfriend, and not necessarily in Polly, but just feeling sad, feeling whatever about something. And she's like, oh, my, I had a rough day at work. My job is this. And I was like, okay, well, we can, we can fix that. She's like, I don't want to fix it. I just want to talk about it. I don't need, and she said, I don't need you telling me what to do, Tom. And I was like, I'm not telling you. I'm trying to help. I don't want help. I want a bitch. I feel All like right. that's the typical male-female tension. Yeah. I'm totally the fixer. Like, let's, just, let's take care of it. How can I take care of you? How can yeah. I like, make this happen? I was like that even like in restaurants and customer service. Like somebody, I did to-go orders for a while. And somebody would get home with their food and then call back and say, oh, something's wrong with my food. And I'm like, okay, well, I, you want to come back and we can give you more? No, I just want you to know about it. And I was like, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this doesn't help you or me. Right. <laughs> I can't give you a gift card over the phone. There's literally nothing I can do for you. I'm not going to bring it to Thanks you. Thanks for wasting my fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know you fucked up. Like, yeah. Thank you. And then they got, I didn't, just, I didn't tell them that, but I like, told them that without saying those words. And then I need to talk to the manager. And the manager comes out and is like, man, you got to pretend to care. I know you don't. <laughs> He's like, I don't fucking care either. <laughs> uh, they get into clean love. And this isn't about condoms. This is about <laughs> uh, loving without clinginess or expectation. I think there's a lot of clinginess that kind of gets shoved down, and shoved down our throats in, in a monogamous only world. Yeah, I think so much is genuinely like, I want to be around you and like in your space. And I think that's why my girlfriend like, and I yeah. waited, and then our relationship evolved so much from being just friends to being friends with benefits to being monogamous to being poly. Like right. that's our arg. <laughs> uh, but I think one of the reasons why we needed to wait to be poly is once we realized that we're in love now, it's it's that honeymoon you know phase where like oh you're the only person I want to see fuck all my friends yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and we had to work through that. But it's it's definitely one of those things, and also. Love without expectation. They get into some real, real world hippie shit. Here we go. <laughs> Buddhists, the original hippies, of talking about you can just, well, not even your parts, but you can just love a person. Mm-hmm. Even if it's romantic love or, or sexual, you can just love that person and they don't have to love you back and that's okay for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a pretty radical thing either. Uh, Oh, and it also gets into fights and how you should you shouldn't have a fight. And it says fight fair. There can't be there. It has to be a win-win fight mm. because if if you're fighting and only one person wins at the end of the fight, you didn't resolve the situation because one person lost and whatever their feelings, whatever their 
They got still feel like shit. Yeah. They still, whatever their problem was, is still there. You won. They didn't. So nobody really won. If you're fighting, like, in some of my training, it's like, if you're fighting, you still care. And you're still yeah. communicating. The problem is when you both go quiet. Yeah. And you're apathetic about it. Then you're, like, probably done. But if you're still, in, it's still worth fighting about it with this person, then, like, that's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. you're still communicating. Uh, a win-win. They talk about you got to have a win-win fight and to schedule fights. We've already talked about scheduling really? a lot. Yeah. Schedule a fight. Like, here's 7 one. o'clock, I'm going to rip your ass. And here's <laughs> one, here's uh, one thing that they said that, uh, and they, that if you're pissed off about something on Tuesday, but... You still got to go to work Wednesday morning. You've got other responsibilities that you have to fucking do. Your world doesn't stop because you're pissed off at your partner. Yeah. But if you've got scheduled a fight for Thursday night, fine. I know we're going to resolve this. <laughs> I can go and do my things and I can let that stress off and know that we're going to deal with this. And then when it comes time to deal with this, the fight isn't just a volcano erupted and you're just emotional yelling at each other. You've thought about what's wrong with yeah, you. You've thought about true. what the issue is, and you can talk it out. They even suggest writing a letter. You know the old routine of write a letter, don't send it. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about that, and then you can come back to it and see your own words and think, oh, that's I shouldn't have called her a shithead there. <laughs> that was <laughs> Bad idea. That was, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> uh, and then you can kind of go back and, and have the fight, and you can still yell. Time you can still have, have, your, have your fight, but it's more, more of a productive fight now. Yeah. Uh, they said if you're struggling with that, uh, it's not reactive. It's a genuine disagreement. Yes, it's not just reacting to this moment. I've really thought about this, and we're not on the same page. Right, and it's it's the old kind of hack stand up thing of we're well, fighting over the dishes when I'm really pissed off that your mom shot my dog or something. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're fighting over something small. Well, what you're really mad about, you're not discussing. Oh yeah, who hasn't been in a fight where you're like, this is not about this, and I right. know it's not. <laughs> yeah, this has got to be about some other shit. Uh, and, and then they get into I messages, I, you know, feel. Oh, like, I feel, I statements. Right. Yeah. Uh, more hippie shit. But That's true. Yeah. It is true. And they also said, don't say, I feel betrayed. Because what you're really saying you're is, saying you, you betrayed, betrayed me. me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't really use an I message yeah. there. Uh, and then they talk about help is available. There's all types of books and workshops. And they can even be beneficial to go to a monogamous workshop because it's all about communication. Yeah. And communication is crucial for Polly and the underlying thing between all of this owning what's yours your stress your emotions they're yours self-management own it and self-management I think there's a lot of self-management and self-realization all through the first half of this book yes it was so it's such an interesting read I am still not I am an ethical slut but a monogamous one I think I think that's fair. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of these principles. Not a, not hundred percent. I don't buy in. What Some do you they're not, a little hippie. They're a little hippy dippy for me. What, what are the parts that you do not buy into? I remember I made some notes. Um, I think I am skeptical. I think they paint this in the most healthy, perfect world kind of thing, and I'm unconvinced that it's like that for many people who practice this or they might have phases where it's really healthy and then it's like how like maintaining that well and this book being a roadmap for healthy mm-hmm. non-monogamy for ethical slut yeah not non-ethical slut it is which is just cheating it's <laughs> aspirational uh well it is and it's giving regular people 
in the non-monogamy world something to aspire to. Yeah. Um, it's true. Not everyone that's poly is ethical. Not everyone that's monogamous is ethical. Yes, but totally. this book has a lot of great ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's helped us a lot. And a lot of the stuff that we've done so far is stuff that I've kind of already experienced. You have to have a tremendous amount of communication. You have to understand that it's not a competition between your partner and their other partners. And managing uh, your emotions seems like just a huge part of it. Managing, just... managing your emotions is, for me, I've never been a jealous person much to begin with. Uh, it's been more about managing time, but I've gotten better at that. And I think we are out of time. We are. <laughs> this is a great book club. Join sure. us for part two, guys. Yeah, we're going to come back. Uh, my name's Tom King. Lauren Turner. And this has been Digital Intercourse, baby. Digital Intercourse is a Channel 4.5 production. Digital Intercourse is hosted by Lauren Turner and Tom King. Executive produced by Michael Zampino, Hilton Price, and Landry Miller. Engineered and edited by Landry Miller. Channel 4 and a half.